TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's get back to more Mark Cody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Take the Travis Henry and Alex Brown has the sack. At the Florida 35, Martin threw it right into the hands of Alex Brown. He picked it off. Warren, 6'4", 300 pounds. Brown has Martin again. They think he's about to emerge into a big-time receiver. Brown's a big-time end tonight. Five sacks for Florida. Three for Alex Brown. Third down. And almost ten. Here comes Brown again, and he rips him down. Accident. He had three young, younger siblings. He had to serve as a role model for Brown has Martin again. We're going to hear from Alex Brown here in just a second. I'm to let you know that there have been some developments in the last three hours regarding the Northwestern hazing scandal, which I will get to in just a little bit. As uh, noted, uh, civil rights attorney Ben Crump was talking today and holding a press conference, and we will get into some of that here in just a little bit. But let's talk Bears with the former Bears defensive lineman, Alex Brown. And that, which you just heard, was Alex Brown in college playing for the Florida Gators, a game in 1999 against Tennessee where he had five sacks and one interception. Did you remember that, Alex, or no? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you know, I mean, I, I tried to duplicate that game. Uh, over the next, uh, what, 10, 12 years, but I, I wasn't able to do it. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> it I, a night. I watched your whole career, man, and you had some big-time games as well. Then you got your job ripped off from Mark Anderson, but then you got your yeah. job back. So I saw it all. Yeah. I saw I saw you make an impact. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. We are talking to Alex Brown. I am Mark Rohde here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Alex, we, we played that not just to please you because we knew it would please you, but the Bears have a gentleman by the name of Jervon Dexter on this team who played for the Florida Gators, a second-round pick for the Bears. What, mm-hmm. do you, what do you think about Jervon Dexter, and what kind of an impact do you think he can make in his rookie year? I honestly think he can make an immediate impact. Um, and that, I don't know if that's saying a whole lot in the sense of we were very, very bad at a lot of different things on defense last year, whether that was rushing the passer, stopping the run. It really didn't matter. We were just really bad at it. But adding a kid like Dexter, he, I think um, for when he was at Florida, he was the only guy, right, on defense that you re- – so he got he got a lot of focus. He got a lot of people – or opposing teams watching him and trying to take him out of the game. And a lot of times they were able to do that. But now when you're in the NFL, there are other players around you. And now I think being asked not to carry the defense, just to go in and do your job, I think we'll see him splash pretty early. That that is encouraging. I think you're one of the first people – that I've I've heard say that because everybody's has this hesitant attitude like well 
he's a defensive lineman and defensive linemen, you know, don't develop that quickly. And you can't have those expectations of a rookie, but you're saying that like, he's going to be, cause we've seen this like where college players, whether it's in, I've seen it in college basketball, I've seen it in college football where they're held back a little bit at the college mm-hmm. level for the sake of the team. And then they sprout right away at the NFL level. Is that kind of what you're saying? I just, I mean, I just see that. I see the talent. He has the talent. He's big. He's fast. He's and, and more than fast. He's quick mm-hmm. in little areas, and I and I like that about him, especially in this type of defense. I, that's why I think he can splash. When I say splash, I don't mean that he's gonna go out and have twelve sacks. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that over the course of a football game, you're gonna hear his name called three, four, five, six times because he's either blowing up the middle. Um, to help someone else make a play. He's making a play on, on his own, or he's hitting a quarterback to cause an errant throw that ends up being an interception. And if, you, if you're one of those Monday, Monday morning uh, type of fans, you're going to look in the paper and say, well, you only had two tackles and a pressure, but not really understanding the impact that he had on the football game. So I think he'll be that player that you go back and you look at, and you're like, damn, like he was – he was all over the place now. He didn't get a sack for this, or he, he ran right. the quarterback out of the pocket two or three times. But that impacts the football game when you do that. So getting the quarterback off his spot, and I think he can do that stuff. I think he can make plays in the run game. I think he'll make plays uh, in the passing game. So, I mean, but time will tell, and we'll see how he grows. I mean, I, it, players grow a lot from rookie year to that second year, that third year. So let's see where that base is for him, rookie year, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, and he's he's he talked about the skill set and the things that he mm-hmm. does well and all that. He's also a massive individual, <laughs> six six five three thirteen, and mm-hmm. that that is legitimate size. Because when he walked into the media room for the first time, Alex, I looked at the guy and I said, "How can this guy not dominate right away?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about like, dominate is, and I'm not saying he can't dominate. I think right, right, a I know. chance that he dominates. Yeah, but I, I really, really, I feel strongly about him. Coming in and make a con- making a contribution, and then probably about halfway through the season, maybe even a quarter way through the season, we see him take a step forward um, and start to become more consistent with these plays. I mean, he's I, I think he's coming from a playing against the talent that he's going to be playing against in the NFL. So when you play in the SEC, that's something that that curve, that learning curve, isn't as big sometimes uh, with with a lot of players that come out of the SEC, even though. Uh, the teams he played on at Florida weren't very good, mm-hmm. but it what it showed just showed heart and that he didn't quit, and he had to carry him along being the leader on that defense. So I, I like I love the pick, and now it's just about seeing how he progressed and the, the tutelage that he gets from the veterans on that football team. So whether hey, I learned a lot from Erlacher and Bridge, you know I learned a ton from uh, Ward Holman. And um, Roosevelt Colvin. Oh, yeah. So it's not like a defensive lineman can't learn from the linebackers. And we have we, – we brought in a couple of veteran linebackers that will be able to help out um, some of these young guys as far as getting lined up, making sure they know that, hey, we believe in you. You know? Mm-hmm. Like a young kid hearing when – I, when I got there, a young kid hearing Ward Coleman or Roosevelt Colvin or Brian Erlacher say, hey – we believe you, man. We got mm-hmm. you. You you out here with us. I mean, we trust you. So let's go. And like that goes a long way. So I think you'll see him settle down 
um, he'll come out and he'll be he'll have his rookie mistakes and those first year jitters and all that. But as he settles down, I think you're going to see that we that we got a hell of a player here. Uh, and I love that you brought up Warwick Holdman and uh, Roosevelt mm-hmm. Colvin. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I, I was hoping those guys are going to be there longer. I mean, hey, Roosevelt Colvin did what he had to do, right? Got got to. Got to get paid at some point in time, so I don't, no I don't blame him. But God, I wish that that linebacking crew would have stayed together. Yeah, that was that was a really, really um, special uh, group for that 2001 season where they made that run um, to the playoffs. But then, if Roosevelt stays, if Ward stays, mm-hmm. then we don't get Lance Briggs. Right? Yeah, that, that's a good we point. That's we, a great you know, point. We don't, we don't get, we don't get to see that Hall of Fame. Uh, that's such a good uh, point. What, what should be a Hall of Fame career? And Lance Bridge. We don't get to see that. And then, I mean, I'm not going to forget about Hunter Hillemeyer, you know? Nope. So we don't get to see Hunter get out there and <laughs> okay. be able to play all three positions, you know? <laughs> Shout out to Hunter Hillemeyer. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. There was, was, was a lot of good linebacker play going on. Talking, sure. talking to Alex Brown, the former Bears defensive lineman, you can follow him on Twitter, which you should do right now. At AlexBrown96 is the place for him on Twitter. Just a couple more for you, Alex Brown, including with all the improvements that the Bears have made this year how many extra wins do you think it's worth i mean hell what we went three last year four you know what i call it alex i just call it the season where the bears lost 10 straight games well, well we got the number one pick and we did something with it right yeah. yeah i mean hey that's fine um i tell you what uh i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a totally different team uh as far as the wins go uh i don't think i think we'll sneak up on a couple people um, but I see us winning without luck. I think we, we win nine. I think we win nine. Okay. With any luck, we win ten, and we sneak into the playoffs. And are we going to make it in noise? I have no idea. But you can't make it in noise until you get there. So <laughs> just ask just ask the 2000, I think it's 2007 and 2011 New York Giants. Like, I'm sure they didn't think they were going to get there. But they got there, and they were able to make some noise when they got there. Because then it's only about winning one game that mm-hmm. particular Sunday, then you move on. So I do think we are very competitive in the in the division this year. I, I don't think anybody's just standing out with the losses of the better teams. I'll say in the in the division. So you lose Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can't come back and tell me you're gonna be a better football team. I just don't. I don't buy that. And then um, Dalvin Cook leaving Minnesota. I just and their backup mm-hmm. running back leaving the year before that. I just don't see them having that same type of uh, offense when people know you're going to throw it. See, there was a certain respect that had to go to Cook in the backfield, but now he's not there. Now you got Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. and everybody knows he's going to throw it <laughs> to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's amazing. I yes. get it. Yes. But even being amazing, it's still the NFL. And if we know, if we can take one thing away and no, you're not going to run it or you're not going to be very successful running it, then we can we can really shut down the pass. So I just – I don't think uh, – in Detroit, Detroit. Detroit's going to – they're going to Detroit. So I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I'm I, not worried about Detroit. I, I, see, I know everybody's worried about them. I'm uh-huh. not worried about Detroit. Okay. Good. I'm not. They, I think the Bears will be there in the end. And if they're able to pull off, they they make the field goal – the other team misses the field throughout the season. There'll be games where it's one play that could go one way or the other, and it'll decide if we win, and we get to 10 wins. I think we got a shot to win the division here, and it'll be a year earlier than a lot of people think. 
So, and Justin will have a big year. Um, I'm not sure he'll throw for the 4,000 yards that he said, but um, <laughs> I sure hope he does. Yeah. Hey, hey, Alex, I'll take 3,000. I'll take 3,000. <laughs> I'll, I'll take 3,000 and him running and being him. Yes. I'll take 3,000. I don't want him to change to try to be a pocket passer. I want you to just play football. Be Justin. And, man, I think we're going to have a hell of a season, man. Uh, I love the optimism. La- last thing, tell me – that Jordan Love is going to suck and that the Bears fans are not going to have to worry about having another historically great quarterback on the Green Bay Packers. No, I think I think we're back to the mid-90s with them. Yes! Like early 90s. I'm sorry, early 90s. Oh, early man. 90s was that Lynn Dickey? No, early. I don't even know who yeah. was on their quarterback. I think, I think it's early 90s with uh, with Green Bay now. Okay. I think, yeah, they, they got spoiled with two back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and now they're making the mistake of thinking it's, well, it's whoever the hell we pick. They're just going to be good. Well, it doesn't work that way. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. It just In Chicago, we understand it does not work that way. So <laughs> I think he's going to be not not atrocious. He doesn't okay? have to be bad. be bad. Just be, just be mediocre. That's all. Right. He'll, yeah. And I think that's what he'll be. Yeah. He'll be mediocre. He'll be – I mean, you'll be able to name 18 quarterbacks that you'll take before him. Oh, yeah. And that's why I like the Green Bay Packers, having oh. a quarterback just like that. That's right. It's time. Yeah, you, it's a lot of years of making up to do to the Green Bay Pack. Time for you guys to, to pay the piper for all your great quarterbacks over the years. Time to drop Amen. back. Amen. <laughs> Alex, Amen. thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on, man. No problem. Thank all right. You. See ya. Sounds like we uh, we ended our call with Alex Brown at the exact right time. As a matter, maybe his alarm was going off. Great discussion, though, with Alex Brown, the former Bears defensive lineman. We've had two really good Bears guests here, Mark Potash and Alex Brown, both beaming with optimism. Before we, we get to a break, and we're going to bring in Alyssa Bergamini in a second here, I do want to go through some of what has been happening in the Northwestern hazing scandal Today And, you know, it's just been breaking in the last few hours or so that today, and I, I, this one I happen to be reading from, from the Channel 7 website here in Chicago, ABC 7, and, you know, the headline reading, noted civil rights attorney Ben Crump files Northwestern University hazing suit. And I'm going to read some of this word for word. Again, this is from uh, ABC 7. Noted civil rights attorney Ben Crump and members of a Chicago law firm, along with a former Northwestern student-athlete, announced yet another lawsuit against the university after alleged hazing in the school's football program uh, on Monday. Today is the day that they, they filed that. Attorneys Crump, Stephen M. Levin, Margaret Battersby Black, and Richard Banks, along with former Northwestern quarterback Lloyd Yates, held a news conference Monday, today, in Chicago to announce the suit, um, which was filed on Monday. Quote, this is the opportunity to eradicate hazing and abuse in college athletic programs from coast to coast, Crump said. That's exactly what we intend to do, and this will undoubtedly be the Me Too movement of college athletics. Close quote. How about that? The, right. the Me Too movement of college sports, will it be that widespread, and I'm saying this in air quotes, that successful? It's just a weird word to use. The Me Too movement, highly successful, and it changed all of us for the better. 
Right. I know Crum was saying that they're planning on filing. They filed this suit, but there's supposedly 35 other suits coming here, which also includes apparently coaches that were also hazed in this process. This is incredible. So the, it just keeps piling on. You know, all these guys talking today. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the story here and continue to read here. And then this is this the writer from ABC Seven now. The lawsuit includes three counts of negligence, willful and wanton disregard for player safety and well-being and violation of Illinois' Gender Violence Act. Assistant coach Matt McPherson is accused of witnessing acts of hazing and not stopping them or reporting them to the university. According to the complaint, two assistant coaches were hazed in the same manner as players being the recipients of forced sex attack. Their names are not in the complaint because of the sensitive nature of the acts, attorney said. Other coaches and staff are accused of disregarding obvious, raucous, hazing, and sexual acts when they were heard um, or observed. In a news conference last week, athletes detailed the painful, emotional, physical, and sometimes sexual allegations against Northwestern football. Um, the first lawsuit filed against Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern leader stemming from the hazing scandal, Yates 26, who was a quarterback and wide receiver from 2015 to 27, said physical, emotional, and sexual abuse was normalized. He's the first player to reveal his identity um, in a lawsuit against the school. And here's a quote from him, quote, Upon arrival on campus, we were thrown into a culture where physical, sexual, and emotional abuse were normalized. He said, I want closure for myself and hundreds of other football players who suffered in silence. You have people holding them down, dry humping them. You had them forced to participate in activities involving nudity, said Crump. Uh, Crump said the culture was so strong, they had to go along with it to survive in the program, to get playing time. He said speaking up could affect playing time on the field. He said coaches were aware of the behavior. Back to Yates here. Um, Quote, this is what he said today at the press conference. Quote, today I am proud to come forward among my brave teammates here today to let the truth be known, the truth that has perpetuated for decades, Yates said. We hope that with our public efforts that we will empower those affected by physical, emotional, and sexual abuse to share their stories. And we're letting you know that, uh, that we are in those together and that we support you. That's what Yates said um, today. Yates said that Northwestern, um, that Northwestern let the team down. Um, so that, that is just part of it. But, it's yeah the Me Too movement of college football, and I man I don't think that that is hyperbole at all. And uh, I will just sit here and say that they when they broke this story, remember remember what it was a two week suspension for Pat Fitzgerald, and wait to report the story until Friday and try to control what people are saying. That's that's what happened, and this thing continues to get more detailed and bigger as the days go on, and the people who tried to control this thing are a joke, an absolute joke. So it's it, this was a powerful, powerful day today in terms of what the lawyers were saying. And, and I was talking about this the other day, the, the lack of compassion 
from the other side is stunning. Stunning. Even if you're, and I get it, like people are going to hit me up with, well, if they say anything, then they're admitting guilt. And I think that like Jim Phillips, and I don't have it right in front of me, but Jim Phillips, who was named in one of these lawsuits, the former athletic director for Northwestern, who you know, should be questioned. He should be questioned. He was here during it and apparently wasn't a very watchful eye over the sports programs at Northwestern. But at least Jim Phillips mentioned the victims and said that, and I'll, I'll get the quote so I don't mince his words here. I'll get that quote for you here in just a little bit. But he did, in his statement, mention the people the potential, the alleged victims in it, and showed some form of compassion for the people that are speaking up right now. And there has been, from what I've seen, zero of that. No compassion from anybody on this. No acknowledgement of it. The best that they could come up with it in acknowledging it. So I guess they did sort of acknowledge it with their little two-week suspension, but that that did not work and it was a non-starter and it was cowardly and it was a joke and all the people involved should be ashamed of themselves. So coming up next, (laughs) I don't know how I go from that to uh, bringing in somebody who is always wonderfully happy. And that is Alyssa Bergamini, Alyssa Bergamini to talk about the White Sox. And she did see the Barbie movie as well. We'll bring in Bergs next here. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago sports radio, 670 the score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. In the air, left center field. That ball is drilled by Jimenez, and the bat plays. It's 1-0 Sox. Now he can take all kinds of time getting around the bases. That is right. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. That's my Barbie. Go Barbie, go Barbie. That's my Barbie. That's my Barbie. Go Barbie, go Barbie. That's the Barbie, Barbie movie is out. It has Come hit the world. And we're going to talk about that and the White Sox and the Cubs here in just a second with our friend Alyssa Bergamini. Quickly, though, there's this another story on Northwestern. I was talking about the defendant or Ben Crump, who is defending the the victims and some of the things that were said today. I read that to you just a short while ago. Here's another thing: Northwestern President Michael Schill did discuss the Pat Fitzgerald termination with the Daily Northwestern, and we will get to that here shortly. I will read what is written by the the Daily Northwestern, and um, yes, that is coming up here shortly. So we're just kind of bouncing around here on the evening show. I'm Mark Grody here with you until 9 o'clock tonight. Alyssa Bergamini now joins us. She, of course, is the White Sox host. She is a BetQL host here. She works on the score. We occasionally do Bulls draft shows together. We occasionally work tornadoes. We do it all, Bergs. What's going on? This is all true. And you're doing a phenomenal job of trying to transition from talking about (laughs) 
Northwestern football and um, White Sox in the Barbie movie. Yeah. So you're doing a fabulous job, Mark. You yeah. couldn't have done it any better. Yeah, my, my brain right now is just sort of like, it is so <laughs> conflicted right now. My brain's like, dude, you just did some really heavy, crazy stuff, and now you're playing Barbie music. What the hell is going well, we on? we lighten it up somehow. Uh, so that, that's what we got to do sometimes in sports. That is where we are at. <laughs> a- absolutely, Alyssa. And we're going to get to the Barbie movie here in just a second, but I do want to ask you really <laughs> quickly the White Sox and Cubs baby you as the, yeah. the White Sox host and you and your team the White Sox will be hosting the Cubs starting tomorrow Michael Kolpeck against Kyle Hendricks what have been your experiences with being the host somebody who gets to see a lot of what's going on in the stands and mm-hmm. obviously on the field what stands out to you about this Cubs White Sox rivalry and the series that has gone on through the decades Well, I do have to say that normally people are actually pretty respectful to me because they know I have a microphone and they respect my my job and what I'm doing. So I do have to give kudos to both fan bases in Chicago because there are some teams that come into town and they're they're, we talked about this last time on the show when the Phillies came into town. I was not too happy and the Cardinals when they came into (laughs) town. So. Um, I do appreciate when it is the Crosstown Series because it does bring the energy. You know, unfortunately, both teams not in positions they would like to be in, but I do my job. I stay in my lane. I have fun with the fans. Um, So looking forward to tomorrow and Wednesday. And if fans are going to the game, the Crosstown Series trophy it's going to be there in Section 157. So um, that's something to go check out. But I really do, you know, enjoy when both teams get to meet. And I think it is such a blessing that we have two teams in in baseball here in Chicago to cover. I mean, it makes it fun. It makes it entertaining. You know, covering sports, you could talk about both, the, the good and the bad. Um, so it'll be interesting tomorrow and Wednesday. Really going to be a toss-up with how this uh, – game is going to go you know both games but I would say some of my favorite memories I know that was the question that you asked of course the Michael Barrett AJ Pruszynski brawl oh, hell yeah. in 2006 I actually have a coaster of that punch really? so that's how much I actually do appreciate it wow. um and then I, I was you know when I was thinking about certain games that I've worked I do remember um Hawk Harrelson's final game that he broadcasted that was September of 2018 Mm. so that was when the Cubs did play the White Sox that was still part of the Crosstown series and just you know him waving to the fans out of the broadcast booth it was a really touching moment and I you know everyone whether you're a broadcaster or a fan you love Hawk you know some people maybe not so much, but I love uh, Hawk. It was such a great send off. I love Hawk. Him. He's the goods, man. Yeah, he's he's fabulous, and I do remember Sox losing that game, but at that point, it really it didn't matter. That was 2018. Um, so those are just you know two games that stick out of my mind, and I hope the fans are respectful again. Let's <laughs> let's keep that going because um, leave the host alone. <laughs> no Cardinals fans will be allowed in there. You know, while I'm thinking about it, like thinking about you and stadiums and doing stuff like that, you were out, you were using the burger money because I saw you all over Instagram, <laughs> all over these East Coast towns, and I saw yeah. you, you were at a Mets game, I the was. Mets and the White Sox. What did you think of City Field? And I don't even remember, did the White Sox win that game? Oh, 
They didn't. Oh, man. They didn't. They lost um, 11-10. But they did have a comeback, so at least it was a high-scoring game, let's say that. But I loved that stadium. I would definitely put that probably in my top five. Um, Something that I find, you know, really intriguing when I go to parks is obviously I watched you know, the in-game hosts and their game presentation, and they have a big screen that is outside of the park. So when you're you're driving and you're coming in, you get to see, you know, what is happening inside the field. So I think that was really cool. Um, and then the big apple that uh-huh. appears yeah. when the Mets hit a home run. Yeah, that's so magic. in the game I was at, the Mets hit four home runs. Oh. And I get to see the apple appear four times oh. with the fireworks. So... Um, very cool. Also loved um, Citizen Bank Field Park, I should say. That was also, you know, a, a very striking um, ballpark. And I always like to test out, you know, the food, drinks. And, sure. Um, you know, that's what I did on my all-star break is I went to go see some more baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back yeah. in tomorrow at Gary Dindray Field. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. I, I always got criticism, especially earlier in my career when I would, like on days off, I would go to a Cubs game. And I remember Jeff Joni, I think it was before he was doing Bears play-by-play, he would, he'd be like, why in the world would well, you yeah. go to a baseball game on your day? Because this is when I'm covering tons of games. Why would you do right. that? But um, when you're, you know, like sometimes it's still fun to go to games, you know? Yeah, it's it's a different. You have a different perspective of it. You're not there necessarily working. So when I'm at White Sox, I'm always you know giving a hundred percent and making sure I'm you know thinking fast on my feet. So when you can go as a fan, you could just kind of relax and actually enjoy the game. Absolutely right. You know, at the yeah. work and there's it's stress free and all of that kind of thing. Alyssa Bergamini is our guest. She is the in-game host for the White Sox, pre and post for the Bulls on Bulls Radio. She does just about all of the games you can find her on twitter Uh, yeah yeah most of them most of them and yeah i think mitch rosen was the one that said your work in france counted as multiple games i know i got some extra credit for that yeah you got extra credit Alyssa is on twitter i am (laughs) Uh, Alyssa is on twitter at Alyssa bergamini um a-l-y-s-s-a bergamini b-e-r-g-a-m-i-n so I was at a barbecue yesterday with uh, with family members, okay. and my my nieces and my sisters in law were all talking about, hey, what? Why don't we? You know, they're talking about the Barbie movie. So they said, mm-hmm. oh, why don't we? Let's all get together and go. And I kept raising my hand and saying, yeah, I'd like to to go too. I don't think anybody, nobody took me seriously. Nobody, <laughs> not one of those women took me seriously like they weren't even responding to me but they were just ignoring you pretty pretty much pretty much ignoring me i think i'm I'm being genuine here i think the movie looks hilarious and i want to see the inside joke so i do want to see the movie you saw the movie i saw the pics on instagram with you and your mom tell me about the experience and tell me about the movie and what you thought of it it was just like you said there were so many inside jokes um, Greta Gerwing is the director, and she's been the director for Little Women, Lady Bird. She's an actress herself. So it was it was phenomenal. I had 
you know, not the highest of expectations. I've seen clips, so you, you kind of base it off of that. But when you put it all together and you're in the theaters and there were males and females, so you can absolutely go see the Barbie movie. Thank movie. you. Everyone should go see it. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I think the stats are just telling. It made $162 million this week. The biggest oh. opening ever for a female director. Biggest opening for a movie based on a toy. Wow. Um, it, it really, you know, there were great actors in it. Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Will Ferrell is hilarious yes. in it. He's the CEO of Mattel. Oh, so, yes. I mean, you, you, you have these actresses and uh, just watching them with their artwork and and kate mckinnon she's from oh, you know saturday night course, live and she's she's considered the weird barbie so it is <laughs> okay. it is very it. entertaining it is love very it. comical it is you know an hour 45 so yeah i went with my mom and, and sister and oh, it was a blast that is so that's uh, i now more than ever i, I want to see it. i want to add it's to funny. their it, yeah and that was that was yesterday after um, watching the White Sox lose and extras, and it was the perfect way to just shake off that feeling of frustration. Go see a Barbie movie if you're having a a down day, and even if you're not, it'll it'll you know bring happiness. That, Who doesn't that, want that? that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and <laughs> and I will see it. And uh, sisters-in-law and nieces, be damned. I just you know what? This is just a, a general statement, Bergs. I need my family to start taking me more seriously, just in general. They really? Yeah. They yeah. absolutely do, and I think it's going to start with you going to the barbecue. <laughs> Bergs, you're the best. Thanks <laughs> for do it. Thanks for hopping on. I appreciate you. Of course. I will see you soon, I'm sure. All right. Take care. That is uh, Alyssa Bergamini, host of Bulls Pre and Post. She's also the host at the, the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, like, I, I, I probably could go to the theater myself to see the Barbie movie, but I typically, in these situations, I like to have a little cover, you know, with, you know, like when I went and saw it to the B Bash to see Katy Perry, and I was like, all right, let's, let's round up the nieces, get a few nieces together. You know, I got to pay up. You know, I got to get the tickets. And then the food. My God, parents. You know, I'm not a parent. I'm just an uncle in life. But, man, you walk in there, and the first thing they want is $90 worth of food and then another $150 worth of T-shirts. And they, they know they know they got me, too. You know, they're, they're working you, Uncle oh, Brody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you want to be the cool uncle, huh? You want to still be – you still want our vote as top uncle in the family? Yeah, you best get that uh, ridiculous shirt or cotton candy or whatever the case may be. So, well, I'm glad we did that. But we are gonna when we return. Let's get back to what's going on in the in the northwestern hazing scandal. There is more to report. There is now. I'm seeing something from Governor Pritzker who says that Northwestern has more to do amid the, the hazing scandal but praises the school's latest moves. We're going to get into all of this coming up here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. With the filing of the Lloyd Yates complaint against Northwestern University, this would be acknowledged as college sports Me Too movement in which we hope we will provide awareness around the issue and support to victims and the eradication of physical, psychological, and sexual hazing in college sports. Strong stuff right there from civil rights attorney Ben Crump and... 
Today, he and members of a Chicago law firm, along with a former Northwestern student athlete, announced yet another lawsuit against the university for alleged hazing in the school's football program. And uh, thanks to John Garcia at ABC7, um, whose work online I am using right now to read from. This is all over the place, but got to narrow it down at some point in time. So I am picking from his article right here on the information and this this big news conference that went on earlier this afternoon today, and you know, everything is sort of coming out here in the last couple of hours or so. Um, Attorney Crump, Stephen M. Levin, Margaret Battersby Black, and Richard Banks, along with, you heard him mention the, the former Northwestern quarterback, that's Lloyd Yates. They held that news conference today in Chicago to announce the suit, which was filed on uh, Monday. The, the lawsuit includes three counts of negligence, willful and wanton disregard for player safety and well-being, and a violation of Illinois' Gender Violence Act. A little bit more. Assistant coach Matt McPherson is accused of witnessing acts of hazing and not stopping them or reporting them to the university. According to the complaint, two assistant coaches were hazed in the same manner as players being the recipients of forced sex attack. Matt Fitzgerald didn't know about that, huh? Moving on. Their names are not in the complaint because of the sensitive nature of the acts. Attorney said other coaches and staff are accused of disregarding obvious raucous hazing and sexual acts when they were heard or observed. So that is the, the latest lawsuit. Let's hear a little bit more from... From Ben Crump, again, the, the civil rights attorney, the man whose voice you heard coming in. And Sean Sears, our executive producer, what do you have from Ben Crump, if you could lead us through this? Yeah, so this is Ben talking about the lawsuit here, which does include that, like you mentioned here, there are multiple coaches who were also hazed in this process. Lloyd Yates' 52-page lawsuit provides graphic details about various kinds of hazing, physically, mentally, sexually, including allegations of two coaches who were allegedly ran. Hmm. So, as I was reading, coaches are hazed. So... How exactly were you uh, unaware of this, and how exactly has the defendants been so indignant and insensitive about everything that has gone on? What else have I got, Sean? So I've got two cuts here from Lloyd Yates. This is him talking about— The former uh, Northwestern quarterback. That's correct, yeah. This is him urging athletes to stand up in these cases, even if they feel like no one may be listening. When I read the complaint, I was overcome with disappointment, frustration, and shame. No young teenager should have to bear what we did as freshman students. We were conditioned to believe that this behavior was normal, which was sickening and unacceptable. To all the young athletes out there, I urge you to stand up. Stand up for yourself, even when the odds are against you. For I've come to realize that no one else will. But I want you to know that you have my unwavering support indefinitely. I hope that by speaking out, future athletes will be free from the physical, emotional, 
and psychological trauma that I experienced as a collegiate athlete at Northwestern University. Anybody listening? Anybody listening? That's coming from a kid who is a three-time legacy at Northwestern. His grandfather and his father both played football at Northwestern. <laughs> at Northwestern, right. So, yeah, it's not like they, they do, wouldn't be giving the school every potential benefit of the doubt, and now they are front and center on this, this case. You got any more? Or is that it? From, I've got one more okay. here. This is what Lloyd Yates hopes to accomplish with this lawsuit. Okay. When I enrolled uh, at Northwestern University in June 2015 as a freshman quarterback, I never imagined that I would be standing here today involved in a legal action. But here I am. This is not an easy place to be, but I join other former and current Northwestern players as we finally hold Northwestern accountable. I hope three things will come out of this lawsuit. I want justice for all the victims of this horrific hazing. I want Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. A closure for myself and hundreds of other Northwestern football players who suffered in silence. Too often, many of us have blamed ourselves for things that were beyond our control. Lastly, I want protection for future players. Northwestern failed to protect us. I hope this lawsuit ensures that Northwestern will protect future generations of student athletes. All right, again, Lloyd Yates, obviously you can hear the emotion in his voice, and he has been strong and forward throughout all of this. And we're, we're running out of time, but I, I am going to I'm going to give you a little bit of this here. Um, this is Northwestern President Michael Schill discussing – Pat Fitzgerald and the termination and the the football program. And this is with the Daily Northwestern, who have been leaders in this story. So they sat down with University President Michael Schill uh, with the Daily, I'm now reading this, to discuss Northwestern's football program on Monday. And we know what's going on. Let me just get to a little bit of this. This is the question from the Daily. Why did you think initially that two weeks was the right suspension for Fitzgerald? Here is the answer from President Schill. Quote, I believe individual culpability and knowledge matters in these things. The report concluded that there was insufficient evidence to indicate that Coach Pat Fitzgerald knew about what was going on, even though there were some opportunities to find out. That was what I weighed too heavily. The Daily then asks, less than 12 hours after the Daily's initial report, you sent out an email saying, quote, you may have erred 
in your decision-making process? What changed? Here's Shill, and this is kind of a long answer, but I'm going to do it. I don't just make decisions and just sort of move on to the next thing. I think about what I've done, and I decided after further reflection that I might have made a mistake in coming up with the two weeks. I was affected by reading your coverage. I was affected by additional allegations we received. I was affected by the impact it was having on our community. I came to the realization that I had overweighted the individual knowledge. The coach had been the leader of a small entity for over 15 years, and he was charged with the responsibility for our student-athletes and the culture. He owns that culture. And when you own a culture, that means you should take whatever steps are prudent to make sure the culture is a good culture. I came to the conclusion that he had failed, and he didn't try to find out what was happening, and he had to bear responsibility for that. This is me talking now. What about the responsibility of of Shill? What about him not having a hold on what his athletic director was observing and that he didn't have a good hold on what was happening either? Back to the story, back to that shill now. I think a lot about leadership, not to make this too self-reverential, but I think that if a leader messes up, they should own up to it. They should take responsibility. The worst thing you can do is just pretend it didn't happen you realize you made a mistake and you fix it and you make the right decision because that's what a stand-up leader does and that's what I hope I did. And I'm going to leave it right there because we got to get out of here. We have reached the end of the show. We are out of show, unfortunately. Um, but I was just told by our morning show host, David Haw, who will be on with Gabe Ramirez tomorrow morning, the Mully and Haw Show, from 5:30 a.m. until 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Hey, man, I've been I've been here a long time. Um, that he is going to have on the writer of this article from the Daily Northwestern. Very so cool. you're gonna have somebody on. I don't see the name, or I would I would credit it. I don't know, maybe maybe I just don't see it. But it could. So the three writers on that article were Nicole yeah. Marcus, Elise Brown, and Cole Reynolds. Okay, so who goes? It could be multiple writers on with uh, David Haw and Gabe Ramirez tomorrow. And if you have been listening to David's coverage, he is he's up there at the top in terms of handling this story for a guy who went to Medill, who had close relationships with a lot of people over there, including Pat Fitzgerald, and he has put that way aside to cover this story correctly. And uh, he will continue to do that tomorrow on the, the Mully and Haw Show here on The Score. Thank yous that I got... Boy, this was a show. Thank yous to Megan Montemurro, Mark Pot Mark Montemurro with the the with the Chicago Tribune covering the Cubs. Mark Potash, Bears beat writer for the Sun Times. Alex Brown, I could have talked to that guy forever. The former Bear, he was on with us at eight o'clock this morning. If you want to go back and check that out, and eight o'clock tonight, I should say. And Alyssa Bergamini talking Cubs, White Sox, and uh, of course Barbie. Thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for texting. Thanks for calling. Obviously, I couldn't get to nearly all of you that I wanted to tonight, but there was a lot to discuss. I'll be at the Bears tomorrow, 1030. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus speaking and reporting right here on The Score. For Sean Sears, I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
Bears. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.